Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. listeners, welcome back to the Eagleman Podcast. And I know several of our listeners begun celebrating any of the myriad of cultural and religious festivities that kicked off during the past several weeks. However, the Gilman Scholarship Program throughout the entirety of this past year has been celebrating 20 years of its dedication to equity, diversity, and accessibility in study abroad. Make sure you don't miss out on any of the remaining opportunities to join in on the festivities by following us on all of our social media. And while you're at it, make sure you are subscribed to the Eagleman Podcast. It is now my pleasure to welcome an alumni who has been with the program since the beginning and has been an integral part of helping the program celebrate 20 years. Anthony Lada is a Borum and Gilman Scholarship recipient who went on exchange with the program in 2001. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Um, my name is Anthony Lada. I uh, was a Gilman Scholar 20 years ago. It's hard to believe it was 20 years ago. Um, and since then, I have been involved in uh, international work. I've been really lucky in my career to do that. Um, and I'm just so excited to talk about how the Gilman Scholarship positively affected my life with you and your listeners. Now, as one of the first recipients of the Gilman Scholarship, what were some of your initial thoughts when you heard that this marks 20 years of the program? Uh, the first thing that I thought was, was it really 20 years ago that I studied abroad? Uh, <laughs> study abroad for me in college was, uh, honestly, it was one of the things that put me on the trajectory of where I am today. And so just the, even thinking that it was 20 years ago was, oh, wow, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. How did that happen? I mean, that makes sense. You were also, you were recruited, so to speak, to participate in a series of videos to honor yeah, the scholarship's yeah. anniversary and, you know, its impact on higher education at large, students, and a myriad of other topics. I am personally curious, could you enlighten us as to some of the sort of behind the scenes involvement that you had and preparation and what was your time on set like in, in creating these videos alongside Gilman? That's a great question. Often I tell my friends and at work if people are talking about my career trajectory, asking me questions about it, I talk about how important the Gilman and the Bourne scholarships were. So when I received the email from IAE to participate in the videos, it was a very easy yes, mm -hmm. uh, because they really were instrumental in, in my career and my life, my personal life too, I would even say. Um, and it was it was a fun process. You know, a film crew came out to my house and we sat at my living room table and or my dining room table. Um, and we did a video and I have to say the production values uh, were really sharp and a couple of the other uh, recipients we found each other on LinkedIn and now we're connected we figured that if we were in videos together we should be also in our uh, professionally connected as well. So I've made some more Gilman connections through through that video process. Oh, that's always the hope that's so exciting to hear. So I mean how big of a film crew are we talking that was in your home was it sort of like you know the old fashioned what was that show called. MTV, um, MTV house tour situation. <laughs> uh, was it MTV Cribs? Yes, I think it was. yes. Yeah, correct. yeah. Uh, it was. It wasn't quite that glamorous. I think it was uh, three or four. Three or four people came to my house, but you know, you get mic'd up and you wear a suit, blazer. Um, I actually put on pants, you know, because in COVID times, I have many times worn just the uh, button-down shirt and the blazer with basketball shorts, but I actually wore pants for this interview because it was serious. Pants? What are these pants you said? <laughs> Am I saying it right? What are these pants that you speak of? <laughs> we'll go and Google it later on. <laughs> That's the plan. That's the plan. 
plan. Um, I should also add uh, that these videos, at least one of these videos, is currently available to for viewing on the Gilman Scholarships YouTube channel. So please, I encourage you all to go check it out and check out Anthony's um, interviews because there are several snippets of your words that were featured there. Now, while reflecting on your experience abroad in preparation for the video series, did you come to any new realizations about your exchange and, like you've said, its impact on your career, academics, and more that you hadn't had a chance to realize until you were put in a position to reflect on an experience that you had 20 years ago? I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't have any new realization. Um, what, what happened is, you know, you just live your life day to day and you go to work day to day and you have your family and your mortgage and all that. Um, what, what I did realize again, or maybe what dawned on me more was that, um, without, you know, the Gilman scholarship and the means to study abroad, I don't think I would have any of the professional or personal life that I have today. And so there's just a real sense, I have a real sense of, of gratitude that Congress came up with the scholarship, you know, and that I was, uh, and that the study abroad center at my university pointed me toward uh, the application and I filled out one um, quickly and wrote my essays quickly uh, because it was so new and I was leaving so soon thereafter. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a new sense of gratitude, but I would say that the gratitude redawned on me how, how important and impactful the Gilman Scholarship was for me. I'd love to break down the impact of your exchange even further. Um, we're always grateful to hear how simply going on exchange for a few weeks or a year with Gilman can drastically change a student's worldview. Uh, but could you provide me with, I guess, the, the lay of the land as to what specifically the impact of your exchange experience had on you and at what moments were you able to realize that exchange was going to be this endlessly resourceful opportunity? Well, let me start actually a little bit earlier, uh, a little bit about myself, because I think that explains the reason why the Gilman and the Bourne were so important is I'm a first generation college student. I grew up on a farm in rural Texas. My dad was a cotton farmer. Um, you know, my, my mom, dropped out of high school when she got pregnant with my sister and mm. she went back and got her GED. So awesome. going to college was not, I mean, it was in the cards. My parents did not want me to have the life that they did, but I, they didn't know how to, how to navigate college. And I went to the local university, um, paid for everything through being a work study student, uh, Pell, uh, Pell grants mm -hmm. and student loans. That was how I paid for college. And so studying abroad, <clears throat> It's just a lot more expensive than it was to go to Texas Tech University, my alma mater. And I really wanted to go, but I could never think how would I save up the $6,000 in tuition, which I know now is nothing, but you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. And for me, that was a lot of money. At Texas Tech then was about $1,500 a semester. So it was equivalent you know, to two full years of tuition at Texas Tech, plus all the wow. living expenses that you would have yep. living abroad and airfare and all that jazz. Um, so getting the, I actually got the boring scholarship first and that was $6,000. So that would pay for the tuition. And then I got the Gilman that essentially paid for everything else so that I mm -hmm. didn't have to, you know, get out student loans to study abroad. So, I mean, that's kind of the, the thing that happened is those two scholarships allowed me to study abroad without um, additional debt and took all of that stress of how do you pay for study abroad um, off my shoulders. Um, 
And so that's kind of the first way that they were really meaningful. And study abroad was meaningful because I'd studied Russian for three years. I spent my senior year abroad, not my junior year. That's so traditional. Mm -hmm. And my senior year abroad with the three years of studying Russian in the U.S., um, that year I got to a very high level of fluency. Um, I still read Russian every day. I mean, I have a bookcase of Russian books behind me. (laughs) Um, But it was just a really great experience. And... I still love being able to speak Russian and read Russian. My speaking is not as good now because I haven't been there in a long mm-hmm. time. Um, but absolutely, it would come back if I had some opportunity to practice. And like I said, I still read Russian every day. I have a lot of, I read wow. a lot of Russian on Twitter. So um, <laughs> that's very, yeah. That's, that, yeah. That is incredibly impressive. I guess a follow-up question I have to that would be, how did you find your Russian studies in the States kind of fell in tandem to your opportunity to practice when you were abroad as well? Uh, I was really lucky to have two excellent uh, Russian language professors at Texas Tech University mm-hmm. who were really passionate about the language and the culture. And without their preparation, I don't think that I would have been as successful studying uh, in Moscow. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely grateful to them and their commitment to their students and their desire to share Russian culture and language and music and literature uh, with us. It was they have a, a, a lifetime calling to share those things. And I think that they do it really well. Your time in Russia in 2001 really helped to set you on a trajectory to where you are now, as you've highlighted for us a few times already, but especially in your career. Um, but were there any sort of unexpected benefits to your exchange that still hold significant value to you as we near the end of our 20th anniversary, aside from you know the benefit of being able to pick up any book off your shelf and being able to basically translate instantaneously? <laughs> Um, I think the biggest benefit was I hadn't, I did not have much experience with other cultures prior to Mm -hmm. going on study abroad. And I have found that in my um, prior jobs, I spent a lot of time in Central Asia and Afghanistan and Africa. I I lived in Kenya, I spent a lot of time in Nigeria and Ghana. Um, Even though those are very far from Russian culture, learning how to be a good a foreigner, a good, mm-hmm. you know, um, international worker uh, was very valuable to me how to pay attention to the way people are talking to each other, body language, mm-hmm. whether you shake hands with a person of a different gender, things like that are, I don't think having lived in Russia and, and it's not learning Russian culture, right? Because obviously Ghanaian culture is different than Russian, but the ability to observe, am I acting in a, in a way that's appropriate to the situation? And that is a learned skill uh, when you're talking about multiple cultures. It's not something that's innate in most of, most of us because we are in our own culture, yeah. um, you know, through childhood and university. Um, so that's a skill that I, that I think has really paid dividends that I wouldn't have learned without studying abroad. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's even helpful in, you know, the corporate world of paying attention to the culture and meetings and, and the way people talk to each other and write emails. Um, it's, it was really beneficial. And actually, that's something you asked me earlier, if there was anything unexpected that, that I thought of the Gilman. And this is now one that I've realized is unexpected is when you ask that question. So, yeah, absolutely. Everything that I'm hearing right now is sort of just setting off this buzzword of adaptability in oh, my head. Oh, totally. Essentially, I- having that practice from exchange of recognizing your background and what you bring to the table or to like a conversation and how you navigate that when you approach new situations, uh, cultures, people, uh, like even while working in corporate America, that process of thought is relevant there too. You know, when you're working with different people, when you're, 
in meetings, uh, networking, even networking. I mean, 100%. I, I have told people that when I moved to D.C. in 2004, um, it was it, I was really intimidated, you know, living <laughs> in D.C., you know, um, and I don't just mean, you know, the multiple forks at nice dinners. I mean, going to cocktail hours at, you know, academic events and things like that. And one of the things that did help me is what I was just describing was the, you know, be quiet, observe how people are talking to one another, you know, the same tools that I used the, you know, the first time I went to Afghanistan, or, you know, the one I went to Kenya, um, those were, I mean, again, it's, it sounds silly, maybe, but those are things that I learned uh, living in Russia, and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to behave, you know, appropriate to the local culture. Yeah, and probably maybe, again, not to put words in your mouth, but maybe also might have built some confidence that you even had the ability to go into any situation and be able to navigate it in, in, a, in a certain level of finesse and professionalism, which again, oh, within itself is 100%. a skill. A hundred percent, you know, and again, being a first generation college student mm -hmm. where he wasn't exposed, you know, to what does one do at a cocktail hour, you know, that's being hosted <laughs> at a DC club. Like that's not something you learn on a cotton. I don't, think, I don't think really anyone uh, learns that. But <laughs> Totally. Until you do it, until you do yeah. it. Rather than reflecting on the nitty gritty of your time as an applicant, because I'm, I'm, confident that not only does the application differ quite drastically, um, but you also might not remember your application uh, in grave detail, which is totally okay. Um, but I did want to more so gather your thoughts as we look forward into the future of international exchange. So do you have any just general hopes in how such opportunities will evolve or how programs such as the Gilman Scholarship alongside the U.S. Department of State can continue to allow students to become ambassadors for the states and you know just the impact of exchange and how that might evolve and be more increasingly relevant over the next few years i mean what i would say is i hope that study abroad just continues um mm -hmm. for those of us who, who didn't have the opportunity you know the gilman scholarship um and sister programs i hope that they continue because they they really do uh change young americans lives i joke now that i pay more in taxes every month than i received in the gilman scholarship so it's good <laughs> roi um for the u.s government yeah um but uh i mean i everyone that i know in my personal life who has studied abroad and really learned a foreign mm -hmm. language is just a it really demonstrates that gosh i don't even know how to describe it it's it's everyone I know who has studied abroad and learned a foreign language and really gotten into the foreign language, I've never heard a single person say that they regret doing that. Mm. Whereas I have friends who, I mean, I work in accounting and finance and I have mm -hmm. friends who regret working in accounting and finance, right? Or studying accounting and finance. You hear a lot of regrets like that in your professional life. Mm -hmm. Literally in the hundreds of people I've spoken to who have learned foreign languages and studied abroad, I've never had a single person regret you know, picking up a foreign language, even if it's a very small foreign language that they never have the opportunity to use. Yeah. Um, no one's ever said, oh, I really disappointed that I, I learned X language and X culture. And so these programs really have to continue. And I know it's nearly become a cliche that we've lived in a globalized world, but it's absolutely true. We live in a globalized world and it's important for Americans to be able to navigate that globalized world, whether it's through commerce, diplomacy or personal mm -hmm. lives. Um, because that is, you know, it's part of, it's just part of being a global citizen. And I think that's where we are today. Yes. And I think social media, while having its pros and its cons, I think definitely aids and just hopefully interests of like what's going on in the world because it's so easily accessible. Absolutely. So if you can experience Absolutely. it on your phone, why not also then hypothetically go travel and experience it in person, especially from that academic lens. So you're able to 
learn both culturally and academically as well. 100%. And now, what about, how do you think, I mean, you, you've slightly already touched upon this, but then even how do you think the impact of an exchange experience might evolve or become increasingly relevant over the next several years and heck, even generations? I mean, I, I think it's it's really the same thing I said about learning the foreign language is mm -hmm. just that by by living abroad, it exposes someone and gives different challenges. I mean, I feel like um, I remember when I lived, I, I lived in Russia actually after my study abroad as well. And I remember going home every day after say grocery shopping and working, mm -hmm. I worked at Microsoft Russia, but you know, I worked in Russian and then you'd go grocery shopping That's and you would cool. um, speak Russian while you were grocery shopping mm -hmm. and then just, you know, buying a cup of coffee, speaking Russian, going home. And my brain was just tired thinking and navigating in a foreign language. And so, I mean, I don't know if that'll affect the generations, et cetera, but I think that those are important things for individuals to experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I also think that, that doing those things makes it easier to be more respectful of when you see people speaking in accents here mm. in the U in the U.S. or um, to help be a better tourist, you know, more respectful. I think that those are really important things, you know, and I have little kids, you know, five and three, um, but as they get older and, and my wife and I are able to expose them, you know, to more foreign cultures, I hope that we're able to pass on those lessons and maybe then, yeah, this can have a generational impact. Do you plan on teaching your little ones Russian? <laughs> you know, I've, I've tried to do that a little bit, but it's, it's, I, I never really learned childhood vocabulary in all oh. of my Russian studies. And so, you know, you read not even Dr. Seuss, but just little kids books with all the, like, I don't, I don't know all the words for, you know, the, the, all the items that children play with, not only the toys, but the the way that children's books are written. Mm -hmm. So I need to go back to Moscow and spend <laughs> some time into the children's section and maybe get some Skype lessons on, on the appropriate way to talk to children. That's the only solution for sure, but. <laughs> totally, more study. That's, that's a solution to all of life's problems is yeah. more study. I just crack open a book and just keep learning, basically. There you go, there you go. Um, well, thank you so much, Anthony. And this does somewhat conclude our episode for the day, but before I let you go officially, I did wanna ask, did you have a dream travel destination or international experience that you'd like to have in the future? <laughs> I, I'm laughing because, you know, the place I'd like to go to more than anything is I'd love to go back to Moscow. It's been a few years since I've been there. And my wife and I've talked about going. She's never been. Um, and I haven't been in a few years. So I'm sure the city's grown and changed. Um, so once COVID's uh, said and done and we can travel again and get visas, um, definitely we'll be going to Moscow. And I want to go in the middle of winter, too. I miss then uh, the cold weather and the snow. So, yeah, it may be funny, but that's of all the places to go to, the place where I moved 20 years ago is where I want to go back to. I mean, that makes sense. And this way you can bring the whole family with you as well. Totally, um, totally. And I can imagine the snow in Moscow, just beautiful sights to see. So. I would love to go 100%. to Moscow myself sometime in the near future, but maybe I should pick up a few words in Russian first. Um, there you go. There you go. Duolingo. That's, that's yes. the way to go. And now, how can our listeners possibly get in contact with you after this episode airs in case they want to know more about your game experience or, heck, even learn and practice their Russian? <laughs> Um, that would be wonderful. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, there's not very many Anthony Lattas on LinkedIn. So um, my last name is L-A-T-T-A. So search for me on LinkedIn uh, and I currently work for Amazon. So I'm pretty easy to find. Amazing. Thanks, Anthony. And with that, we have concluded our episodes for 2021. It has been a fantastic year connecting with these alumni and we appreciate everyone who has tuned in to listen. 
Again, make sure you are subscribed to the Eggleman Podcast wherever you listen to us, and that way you'll be alerted when new episodes are released in 2022. Till next time, or in this case, till next year. Bye-bye.